Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. On this show, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, and myself are going to talk recruiting. Uh, The 2021 cycle uh, is well underway. Florida already has one commitment. We're going to talk about that player, Kawasi Reeves Jr., why he's such an exciting prospect and what, what he'll bring to Gainesville. Uh, we'll talk about who might be joining him, uh, who Florida's contacted here in the, the live July contact period. And we'll also take a peek at, at some of the top pieces on Florida's board uh, early uh, as they look towards 2022, uh, including one uh, five-star Keontae George, who is pretty much on every big program's radar, but who Florida has been in on uh, for a very long time. So hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, recruiting shows are, are always a lot of work, but but it's rewarding because uh, usually people you know are really passionate about it. So enjoy. Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. I'm with Eric Fawcett, GetterCountry.com. Eric. Um, second show in this week. I guess it's not really. I guess because it's Sunday. So, new week, new show. Gonna do recruiting. Um, and I think the best place to start is probably with the uh, the guy Florida has on board. Tell tell you know, maybe somebody just tuned into Florida basketball because they saw recruiting and they they're suddenly more interested than they were in our last show. <laughs> so, tell people. Uh, well, you know, what does Florida have in, in the guy they've got on board already for 2021, Kawasi Reeves Jr.? Hey, if my, uh, if my Twitter is any, any indication, there might be some people that are looking, for, uh, looking to vent out some football recruiting frustration and may have stumbled upon this by accident. But, uh, hey, if that's you, good to have you. Stick around. Uh, but, man, uh, yeah, I love talking Kawasi Reeves Jr. There's just no question about it. I just uh, I have so much fun watching him play, uh, both just because he plays such an aesthetically pleasing style of basketball with just real fluidity, great ability to make shots. Uh, he's really just like fun to watch. And he's also just super fun to watch because it's like, wow, this is an extremely good player with great size that I'm so excited uh, is going to be a Gator. So uh, that's one of the, uh, the things that's just so exciting about watching him play is like hey he's he's fun to watch and i think he's gonna be really effective so uh because the gators have obviously had some some really good players over the last few years um some of them have been a little bit more uh, hey uh, like i don't know what the word would be maybe like utilitarian i mean uh guys who can get the job done uh like hey i i love love Kavarius hayes he's someone i ride for a lot uh but hey is like it was his style of play like the most visually exciting hey not all the time you needed to really understand the nuances of of defense and screen setting stuff like that to uh, to enjoy him uh, when it comes to Kawasi Reeves Jr uh, everyone's going to love him because hey he's going to be dunking on guys he's going to be hitting tough jump shots and he's going to look really fluid and smooth doing it yeah I mean I, I think there's a lot to like I think he's a guy who's going to be uh, a five-star player um, pretty soon a kid that had a big growth spurt which I think really helps him offensively uh, I think I, you know I always say that for the most part you know there's always exceptions to it but as a general matter, a player that that starts a little shorter is is usually going to be a guy that that uh you know might have a little more fluidity, might be a guy that that creates his own space offensively a little more because he's forced to uh, due to his size, and so that's a huge advantage for them when they when they do get a little bigger. And and I think it's something that Florida has to uh, really look forward to. Um, as it relates to Kawasi Reeves, um, a guy that thought it was their first, the first offer, uh, big time offer for Kawasi, and and you know it's really hard to to not be super excited about that, I guess. Yeah, you mentioned something that's really cool, the fact that Florida was his first offer what seems forever ago, and he's someone who also uh, obviously um, committed quite early in the scheme of things. Uh, these days in in kind of modern college basketball, it seems like kids are committing a lot later than they used to be. I mean, uh, yeah, it used to be really common for a guy to before, you know, in the uh, during his junior season to commit. Uh, but nowadays you mostly see, well, I shouldn't say mostly, a lot of times, especially with top 100 kids, yeah, you're seeing uh, you're seeing kids wait until their senior year and that's that's great i totally understand why uh but to see that 
Uh, Florida was his first offer, and he committed relatively soon for a guy like him who is uh, incredibly talented. And and like you mentioned, he's going to be a five-star one day. He's going to keep rising, and there are going to be a lot of teams uh, of the blue-blood variety that I'm sure will uh, be interested in him and uh that that weren't interested in him the first uh you know the first few years of his high school career so so for him to, uh, <coughs> to commit to florida so early shows that he you know appears to uh be really in on the program and uh you see that in the social media posts as well for whatever <laughs> whatever that's worth it but hey it's it's cool to see uh that he's so bought into being a gator and uh yeah just someone who i, I think moving forward in the class uh you can be just be like that's something that also also get you really excited is he's obviously a great player and he's someone that other kids are going to want to play with. So uh, to be able to get him in so early, the fact that he committed so early, I think White and his assistants can go on the trail and be like, hey, uh, you know, look at Reeves Jr. He bought in early uh, for any subsequent players who want to commit in the class. They know they're going to be playing with uh, someone who could be very easily be a star. So that's uh, that's got to help, too. Yeah, and you saw some of the highlights from him at the Power 24 and uh, big event in Atlanta um, this weekend where, you know, he really, really impressed. Second weekend in a row where some of the stuff he's done on tape has been uh, terrific. And, and you know, the other thing that I like about him is his high basketball IQ. It, it gets kind of cliche, but, you know, I've always – advocated maybe it's the coach right eric but uh, i've always advocated for coaches kids and uh mm-hmm. you know checks that box on seems to understand the game uh really well oh yeah you definitely see it and uh, i think some of that yeah it's obviously uh I- intelligence from playing from you know great training uh it's having coach as a father i think it definitely plays in uh like you said to hey when you're six foot two for a lot of your you know the start of your high school career you're uh you're finding out ways you can create space without having huge physical gifts and then hey luckily he got a uh, he got a big growth spurt and hey on the on the topic of that uh, you mentioned on the last show just uh Kwasi Reeves Jr great uh, great Twitter follow just because he puts up a lot of uh, uh a lot of great clips of him playing and and before uh, before games were starting a lot of his workouts and yeah his dad Kwasi Reeves Sr hype south media on Twitter uh he is uh, he's another guy you you've got to follow if you're a Gator fan cuz he's going to be posting good Kwasi Reeves stuff uh, as well as like hey your general uh, uh middle georgia basketball recruit so he's someone you definitely uh if you have if you don't follow Kwasi Reeves Jr. you ought to follow him and you got to follow uh, Kwasi Reeves uh, Sr. as well and uh, and get some get some good Kwasi Reeves content on the timeline. Yeah, man, I like it. Um want to get into, you know, other targets, the guys that they'll hope to join him. This is going to be the the 2021 portion of the conversation, I suppose. Um and and I think the best place to start is probably closest to home with, with uh high four star wing, Alex fudge out of Jacksonville uh, plays at Robert E. Lee, probably not going to be Robert E. Lee much longer, but that's his high school. Um, and you know, he tweeted out uh, that, that there were five finalists a few weeks ago. Uh, the finalists are Texas A&M uh, buzz Williams is, is, Quietly starting to do the little, a little bit of work. Uh, Georgia Tech, Texas, and our good friend Will Wade and LSU. Um, when you know he asked, he was kind of asked if there was a leader by Jerry Meyer twenty four seven. He didn't really say, but he did say. He said the two coaches he talks to the most are Will Wade and Mike White. Um, and he says that uh, that you know Florida's sell has been, hey, you're a long athletic wing. And um, we probably aren't going to have a lot of long athletic wings on our roster come 2021. <laughs> so, uh, and I guess uh, Jordan Mincy has also been integral in his recruiting. And Jordan Mincy keeps telling him that, you know, if he wants, he can go home and do his laundry until he goes to Florida, uh, which, which he wouldn't be able to do if he makes the strong-ass decision to go to LSU. Uh, yeah, he might not be doing his laundry uh, any, anywhere if he goes to LSU. I'm not sure if they'll have a program by then, but uh, hey, we'll <laughs> see. Um, hey, and also, uh, you know, he put out his uh, he put out his top five schools, and uh, the day after, Rick Patino, uh, Iona Gales coach, uh, he he threw him an offer. So you know, shoot your shot, Coach Patino. 
uh, you know, he's coming <laughs> hot. So I, I did appreciate that. I, I saw that and I thought that was, uh, That's that was awesome. quite funny. but, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like, uh, definitely it. when you, uh, when you follow, when you've been following who Florida has gone after in this class, he definitely seems to be the key guy. He's one of the higher rated guys they're going after. He's an in-state kid. And, uh, you know what? I'm someone, Neil, you might have to speak to this after. Tell me if I'm, tell me if I'm wrong here. There's definitely been some people that have been concerned with like the, I, I guess, lack of florida recruiting or missing out on on kind of localish guys I, I i kind of think that's a little more i think that's a little overblown i think that's something that's a lot more important in uh, in football than basketball and i think that that mindset has maybe crept into basketball when it when it shouldn't have but uh but hey it, it always feels good when you can land a guy who's who's close i mean it certainly doesn't hurt uh and hey when you've got that recruiting pitch it, it certainly helps but uh, i think like you said uh florida is going to lose a couple wings presumably uh getting as many wings as and as possible is going to be ideal. I mean, there's something that uh, from the very origins of this podcast, we have wanted Florida to get more wings going into the season. Uh, they, they for once have a lot of wing options and it's awesome. And for that reason, I think the team is going to be very good. Uh, and uh, yeah, you got to recruit to keep that up because the other thing about recruiting good wings is they're not going to stay in college very long because that's who the NBA wants as well. So uh, I definitely put Alex Fudge as, as one of the uh, most important uh, I, I mean, he'd certainly be a lot more important if uh, if Kwasi Reeves hadn't already committed. But uh, I, hey, I think you can't have too many of those guys. They could definitely see Kwasi as someone who handles the ball more versus Alex Fudge, who's more of your pure winger. Uh, and hey, Alex Fudge is big enough that they might see him in like the Devin Robinson power forward role. Truth. Yeah. So and hey, that's the versatility you have with guys that size. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my first my first vibes on him. Yeah, and I like the I like the Devin Robinson comp on the you know because his size is really similar to Devin's at six eight. You know, he's a buck seventy five. I've seen him. If he weighs one hundred seventy five, he's wearing a lot of sweatpants. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's not that big, so he's going to come in real wiry. He's going to be a guy that's going to need Preston Green, but because he can he can leap because he's got a really explosive first step because that jump shot. Uh, it's kind of funky looking, but, but it goes in a lot. Um, you know, it's actually a really good comparison and, you know, I, I should say that he has that top five. There have been uh, a, a pretty heavy recruitment by Arizona state who seems to do pretty well on the trail. Uh, pretty heavy recruitment by uh, coach Musselman at Arkansas. So there are some people that, you know, outside of that group that are still chasing after him. But yeah, I mean, he's a little bit different a player than Kawasi. And, and I do think Florida really would like to sign, not really will. I think they will sign two wings in 2021. If it's Fudge and Reeves, they're going to have two top 50 players. So that's, that's a pretty big deal. The next guy I want to talk about. Hey, hey, I've got, oh, inter- no, I've got to interrupt you here. You just, you just threw to something that we probably should discuss. Cause I do think it really colors, uh, really any discussion about, about recruiting and it's, uh, how many scholarships do you think Florida is going to have in that class? I, I, I think because you did allude to yeah. something about them wanting to take two wings. Uh, and I just think, yeah, the, the way that you talk about any recruiting class, you've kind of, it's kind of got to be viewed through the context of, of how many scholarships do you have? Because like, Hey, if a team's got five or six, like look at Florida last year, you've got a lot of scholarships signing someone like Quez Glover, getting Jason Tobo late in the cycle. Uh, that really works. But Hey, if Florida had, you know, two or three scholarships, uh, maybe those, those decisions and, and the way they recruit is different. So, uh, yeah, let's just, uh, let's just touch on that really quick. Uh, I, am interested what you think, how many scholarships is Florida going to have available? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a great, a great interruption by you because I think it does <laughs> kind of frame the way that when we talk about these players, you guys can listeners, guys, girls, you guys all evaluate this in terms of number in the class but i think the easiest thing to the easiest way to frame it in my opinion is to say lewis gone johnson gone um and then you know kind of asterisk trey man uh and assume that that's so if lewis are gone and johnson are gone that's two scholarships and then uh, you know i don't know i feel like there's always somebody that is an attrition victim so you could have a third scholarship, and then what? Are, what are you really looking at? Are you looking at a fourth? You know, who has? Does somebody else have a huge year and go pro? You know, do I need to pick a number? I'll pick a number. I think it's going to be four. What do you think? 
Ah, uh, you you beat me to it. I thought I, I I think four, and I'm going to say what you said. I'm going to say Lewis and Johnson are gone. Uh, I really hate calling out a name for uh, 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 for attrition victim, but I I just think if you look at uh, what what Quez Glover is facing. Um, you, you know, you look at, uh, hey, how, how are things going to change for him this year? Because, hey, you've got another point guard who uh, in Tyree Appleby, who a lot of us think are going to start. And, hey, maybe the one advantage that Glover had last year was that, hey, he's such a different point guard than Andrew Nemhart. But this year with Tyree Appleby, uh, Tyree Appleby plays a similar style of game to Quez Glover. He just happens to be, a, he's going to be a fourth year player. So, uh, and if he were to stick around and if, say, Trey Mann were to stick around, which I'm not a, totally sure on, uh, I could see things just being tough for Quez Glover and, and maybe maybe another program's the, the best option for him in his career. But uh, the other thing that I do think needs to be kind of discussed is it would not shock me at all if Anthony Derugy is going pro. He's just the exact player that the NBA is looking for. And yeah. he's someone who I think... Uh, I don't. He's someone who I don't think needs to explode to necessarily go to the NBA. Uh, if he is a, uh, if he knocks down thirty-seven or thirty-eight percent percent of his three-pointers, which is better than he shot in the past, so that that is not a given. Um, and he obviously remains super athletic uh, and can guard his position and uh, can play that kind of secondary three and D role. I, I could just see him deciding to go pro. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there's definitely a position like for Druji or maybe Trey Mann, uh, or it's, it's kind of tough to imagine Tyree Appleby. Uh, but you could also put the like, Hey, does Tyree Appleby or Anthony Druji decide they want a grad transfer? I mean, Hey, I, I don't think that there'd be a better option for them because I think they're going to start this year. Um, sorry, I don't, it's going to be a little tough for Druji to start, but Druji almost, you know, certainly would be a high minute guy this year and almost certainly a big time starter in his fifth year. Uh, obviously same goes for Tyree Appleby. So it's tough to imagine them tra- graduate transferring out, but Hey, when, if the options there, who knows? So, um, I think four is the number and, uh, whether or not, but I also think, uh, I don't think they necessarily take four high school recruits because uh, keeping that versatility on the transfer market has been important to this team. So, uh, so I think they're going to have four scholarships. I think they're going to take three high school recruits. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be, I think it's, that's interesting. And, and I, I like the idea of three high school recruits, four spots. And I'm with you. My fourth guy was going to be Daruji. And, and, and so we're kind of thinking the same way, you know, it's interesting. Like a guy that I thought, so my opinion was that uh, Mufiandu Kamangali should have stayed at Florida State, and and I thought that you know really the reason he should have stayed at Florida State was, you know I thought he would get picked at the end of the first round when minutes are going to be really really hard, um, and I I wonder how much that inhibits development. Now you're a guy that writes about the NBA, so you might say Neil, that's not really a realistic take. And, you know, that's fine. This can educate me too, because I don't necessarily understand how that works. But in my mind, let me tell you how that works in in my thought process. Like I thought best case scenario, he's a late first round pick. And if he is, that means he's drafted by someone good. And if he's drafted by someone good, he doesn't see the floor, but he doesn't go to the G League. And if that happens, then you're counting on him to get good in practice and you don't get good in practice in the NBA because they don't practice that much. All right. So like maybe that's really simplistic, Eric. Um, <laughs> but, but to me, I thought another year in the ACC wouldn't hurt him. Now the flip side of that. All right. Cause I, I, and Eric, you know this, but maybe first time, second time listeners don't Eric Fawcett. And, and I will never, uh, I'm speaking for you here. Cause I know that you've said this before. Uh, we will never fault a kid for, for going and getting paid. All right. So I get that. And I also know because Eric's been following Kabangali a lot longer than most of us. Um, I think he was 22 already or, or about to be 22. And like the age thing matters. And I, I remember listening to uh, our buddy, Rob Duster, who, who guy we respect. And, and Rob's kind of point was Kabangali left because of his age. It wasn't so much like he didn't want to play at Florida state anymore. Um, Daruji might really be in that position. Uh, well, for Kevin Galley, I mean, he was someone who got drafted in the first round and 
I think he was going to be drafted right? late. Uh, yeah, late, I, twenty-eight or twenty-nine or something like that. And I just think right. that if you can get drafted in that range, I think you've got to go. That is why. Again, I'm not going to fault a player for uh, forever leaving to get paid, and I am certainly, certainly not going to fault them for deciding to stay and be a Gator. <laughs> but that is why I'm very surprised that Keontae Johnson's back. I'm surprised and so, so, so happy that he's going back <laughs> to be a Gator. Uh, but I thought I thought that Johnson was going to go in the first round if he went this year, and for that reason, that's why I thought he was going to go. So uh, anyways, I, I think the thing with Daruji as well will be like, hey, if he thinks he's got, uh, if there's a team that's that's willing to give him even a two-way deal, like as an undrafted free agent, yeah. uh, after his fourth year in college, I just, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure if he could look and say like, hey, in a fifth there year There will college, be a team. Can, yeah, well, yeah, and I just wonder if in his fifth year, if he says like, hey, can I really make a jump from my fourth year in college to my fifth year in college, that's going to meaningfully um, go from being in like, let's say undrafted free agent to I, I actually, th- this is getting into a conversation. We didn't think this podcast would go. Uh, sometimes being it's uh, an undrafted free agent is better than being a second round pick in, in my opinion. And, and that's, um, uh, so I, Neil, Neil referenced it. Um, one of my other writing jobs, it's not Gator country is, uh, writing about the NBA draft for NBA Canada and some of the other NBA properties around the world. Um, so I do think about this stuff. Uh, let's look at Chris Chioza who was undrafted and had the opportunity to essentially go pick, uh, between a bunch of teams that were offering him where he could go play for second round pick money, uh, without having to say, Hey, this is the team that drafted you. They're the only ones you can play for. And that's yeah. why every year you see, um, a lot of undrafted free agents, uh, that are really good, do really big things. And a lot of them could have been second round for agents. And they straight up told teams, uh, no, don't draft me such as Terrence Davis from Ole Miss. Who's at with my Toronto Raptors right now. Uh, he could have gotten drafted in the middle of the second round. And he said, no, thank you. I'm going to go undrafted and pick the Raptors, um, a really good team. So, so anyways, there's advantages to being a, a second round pick, but, uh, but first round pick is, it means guaranteed money, guaranteed term. So if you have that opportunity, you've got to go. I, uh, but anyways, this, this is this interruption. I gave you Neil, uh, has has really gotten off topic a little bit uh, to, <laughs> to the to the uh, the NBA uh, aspirations of Anthony Deruji. So uh, we we can get back on track, and that'll be my one interruption of the podcast. I'll, uh, no, it was be a much good more one. Light moving forward. <laughs> no, it was a good one, and and it allowed me to to kind of flesh out you know my like weird theory about you know the risk of being late first round versus the the pros of it. So the next guy I want to talk about is is Robert McRae, six three guard. Uh, from Columbia, South Carolina, you might be like, why are you still talking about Robert? If you're deep into the recruiting we- weeds, you may say, why are you talking about him? Um, and the reason is, so if it's three high school players, my thinking is that that Florida will sign two wings and a point guard. Um, or they'll sign two wings and a four, like classic power forward, or a five. But it won't be a – they're not going to sign a two guard, I don't think, and they're – so like that would be the position I don't think they'll sign. And I'm interested in kind of Eric's take on that. But the reason I bring up McCray is that he was a high riser uh, before things got shut down. Um, he was a guy that, that really shot from like no recruiting ranking to like the high three-star mode. And when they started playing again or they started the evaluation period, he was one of the first players that Florida contacted. The July evaluation period started July 12th, the live contact period. The rules are pretty scary about that. But, but Florida was in contact with him multiple times, and then he went and committed to Steve Forbes at Wake Forest. Um, basketball commitments tend to be a little more uh, – the players tend to stick to them more <laughs> than they do in football. Um, but I don't necessarily know if Florida will just back off immediately. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to bring up uh, McCray because I think he's a big uh, – at 6'3", he has nice size and a nice body, and he's also a guy that can really change pace from what I was able to see on film. Um, I don't think he's a very good shooter, uh, and that seems to be one of the, the kind of question marks, but he's a guy that certainly uh, showed that he could score both at the high school level and at the AAU level. So just somebody to keep an eye on. We don't have to spend a ton of time. Uh, there, but I am interested in Eric's kind of thoughts on point guard versus center. Uh, hey, one of my first thoughts is like, man, I, I'm so glad that football is not like basketball or, or sorry, basketball is not like football <laughs> recruiting in the sense that like players usually commit and are st- 
bought in uh, other than Shake Gilgis Alexander. But uh, you know, that's we're done with that. Um, uh, yeah. So because I'm mad, yeah. I do not, uh, I do not envy the football guys who have to who have to trace uh, possible decommitments, uh, commits, putting out top five lists. It's just man, oh. that is not something that I would love to cover for the sport of basketball. Uh, I, I think when you look at Florida's. Uh, center position. I, I think some of it is also going to hinge on if they try to get Castleton a waiver for this year. And I, I really think they will get it if they, they want it quite frankly, but it'll just be interesting because uh, let's say they, uh, uh, let's say they don't, uh, then they're going to have three second year or, or, or sorry. Yeah. So in the next year there, they would have three junior centers all at the same time in 2021, which is kind of like, an odd place to be. And I don't know if any of them are like, would be leaving early. Like maybe pain makes a huge jump, but I, I'm not sure. So, uh, so that is really interesting, but I think you've got to look at the, uh, at the point guard spot and just say like, man, for, for a number of years, the point guard position, Florida hasn't had really capable backups. They haven't had great depth there. I know they also haven't at the center position. Um, but uh, I, I think they've just got to look at that as, as a position of, uh, of need and, and, and look for one there. And the other thing too, about uh, about Robert McRae that you brought up, even though he's committed to Wake Forest, is uh, the fact that it was someone who Florida saw as an unranked player. I, I think at the time of uh, the, at the time that Florida offered him, I think he had like an East Carolina offer, and I mean East yeah. Carolina has has been brutal the last <laughs> number of years. Like that, <laughs> and I think even now his his offers were like Florida College of Charleston, Charleston Southern, and like Wake Forest, and then Florida. So like, uh, I still think it's worth noting. Just like even if he doesn't end up at Florida, if he ends up going to Wake Forest, that's still like a guy who is totally off the radar and unranked that Florida saw as a high major player before other people did. So I think it's even worth giving them some credit, even if he's not a Gator. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. I, you know, trying to decide who to talk about next. Let's just do Carter Witt. I think he's a guy we've mentioned before, a guy that Florida's recruited for a long time. He's a point guard out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Totally different player than, than Robert McCray. Yeah, does he terrify you, Neil, or are you excited by him? I what don't. Is he is not a take for me. I remember you had, you had that uh, uh, had that opinion when we first offered him, however long ago. Or uh, yeah, he I, remains uh, not a take. Hey, <laughs> got you. For those who are unaware, he would be like Costco Jason Williams, like uh, <laughs> a great value white chocolate. It's uh, maybe that that's maybe a little bit disrespectful, but he is someone who plays the game with a lot of flash. Uh, pretty fast and loose. Um, there's part of me that's like, wow, this is amazing. This is so fun to watch. And then there's part of, uh, you know, the the Neil Blackmans of the world who are like, uh, no, this is not someone you want to ride the wave and uh, and up and downs with. Uh, but he has been interesting because I, I still remember when they first offered him and I didn't know who he was. So I searched it up and, and found some of his video and it was just, you know, no look passes behind the back passes, crazy dribbling. Uh, it, it, it was something. It was something. I'll tell you that much. So, so yeah, Neil, I was anxiously awaiting to hear if your opinion had changed. Uh, and yes, obviously it has not. And I can, I, I can understand that. I can, uh, I can get behind that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was something that's a, that's a really a great way of putting it. Um, so a guy that I do really like uh, is Tyrese Hunter. Uh, Four star from Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, another guy that that the Gators have really recruited forever. Uh, plays at a really big time historic program. Yeah, uh, St. Catharines, one of the best programs in Wisconsin. Oddly, not really. The Badgers aren't really a factor, which is like the first thing that kind of stunned me. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, it's like if you're from Racine, Wisconsin, you would think that like Marquette and Wisconsin would be, you know, right there. Uh, they're not, this is a very high four-star player. Um, he has tweeted out a top 10. Uh, Florida is in it. Uh, notable teams also in it. Uh, UConn, uh, Arizona state, uh, Marquette, I guess I, I shouldn't have mentioned Marquette cause I just, owned myself <laughs> uh, and uh tom crean in georgia because you know what what high four star wouldn't want to go and let tom crean use his talent that's true riding off the momentum of a big big season a year ago but uh uh <laughs> what are these other what are these uh, other things i have to comment on 
I just feel like as long as I've been at Gator Country covering recruiting, it just seems like every player Florida has offered, Arizona State has offered as well, and every team that's every team that Florida seems to have some momentum in, uh, so does Arizona State. They've only beat them out for you know a couple players, of which like I'm not totally sure who all Florida was like uh, super super like totally totally in on. Um, but yeah, Arizona State, a little bit of a, a little bit of a thorn in the side. I'll tell you that much when it comes to recruiting. But uh, something about Tyree Center. That- I think is really interesting. And I think I'm going to spoil a little, little bit of my um, overarching takes. I was going to ask you, Neil, at the end of this, what are some of your kind of overarching takes on Florida's current re- recruiting style? And uh, so you can kind of prime yourself because I'm still going to ask you. But one thing I'm going to spoil right now is Florida is definitely getting back to smaller guards, not like of the 5'10 variety necessarily, uh, but Tari Hunter, 6'1", 160 pounds. Uh, and that's kind of the, the range you're going to see some of the other point guards that we're about to talk about in is that like six foot six foot one 160 170 pounds uh it definitely seems like florida wants to get back to having these these quicker point guards and i and i think that's kind of relevant on both sides of the ball when it comes to hey they want to be able to have a ball handler who can go and and pressure the other team's opposing point guard and 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 steer and dictate the movement of the other team's primary ball handler i i think i see that in the way that florida is recruiting as well as uh uh, you know, you have a skill. You just have a higher skill cap if you're if you're fast. Quite frankly, even if you're if you're fast and you don't have a great handle, then a coach is still going to be like, "Hey, we tighten up that handle. He's got the raw foot speed and and first step. We can make something happen here." So, uh, Tyree Sunder is definitely the, the best of them, I would say. Of the, the I, I think uh, perhaps the, just the most I've seen and the most interested I'm in. But uh, yeah, just someone who uh, really good on his feet, uh, prototypical size for what the the staff uh, seems to be looking for, and uh, yeah. Yeah, someone that you're you're definitely going to have to watch, and uh, I don't know who the last recruit Florida's got from Wisconsin is, but I, I love that they're uh, they're going there looking for talent. Yeah, number one player in Wisconsin uh, per ESPN, number two versus per twenty four seven composite. Um, and uh, you know who he reminds me of, and this this space this whole take is based. This is the problem with doing like recruiting shows. It's like your takes are based on highlight videos for the most part. But uh, um, this is high praise because this person I'm going to compare him to, and I think Eric probably has figured it out once I say this sentence, um, had like the greatest highlight videos ever. But man, does he, he kind of reminds me of Casey Hill a little bit. Like he's, <laughs> he's fast. He can really handle. Um, he, he looks like he loves to play defense. Like his highlight video had like him like getting steals and going the other way for dunks on a couple of them. Um, and then, uh, like the jump shot isn't, I think isn't consistent. It's kind of being nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I could see it. Uh, I didn't quite think of the case heel, but Hey, when you started talking, I could very quickly tell where you were headed, but, uh, <laughs> that, there, there's something that I just like, maybe other people see this, maybe some don't, but like something I just love about some basketball players is like just seeing them sit down in a stance and slide side to side defensively. Uh, it just looks like a ballet to me sometimes. Like there's some guys that just like look so good playing defense and that's kind of Tyrese Hunter when he just sits yeah. down in a stance. He just like, uh, he, I just love to watch it. That's uh, I love watching him play on ball defense from, from just the little I've seen. And uh, I, uh, once again, I can see why I, and that's the other thing. I, Casey Hill is another guy that you and me really rode for. I, I, I think, well, we didn't have the podcast going at, uh, for, for my, you know, for much of his career, but someone who we have talked about afterwards as someone that I think, you, you know, you and me liked a lot more than consensus. And, and I think Mike White, someone who also liked him a lot more than like the yeah. consensus skater fan did. And uh, to see that they're going after someone who's who's very similar, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And and Tyree Hunter is uh, is the 80th ranked player in the 24/7 composite. And I just say that to note that like, you know, like obviously Casey Hill was uh, very. Uh, very highly rated player out of high school. I'm not saying that Casey Hill would be the 80th ranked player if he came out now, but uh, people obviously view shooting a lot differently than they did uh, back even when Casey Hill was coming out of high school. And I wonder like if Casey Hill came around nowadays, would he still be like the player he was and and rated the same way? I'm not saying he'd be the 80th ranked player. I think that would be ridiculous to suggest that he'd be that low. Uh, But I think it'd be somewhere between 80 and what he was ranked. And for that reason, I think that like, Hey, maybe you maybe Tyree center becomes a player who plays four years and has a bit of a Casey Hill-esque kind of role and and impact. Yep, and I would note that Florida's lead recruiter on that recruitment is Darius Nichols. So um, I'm not going to – 
let's not like make wholesale takes. I, like, I think that every coach on this staff has recruiting strengths. Um, but I feel like, like when Florida's really in a dogfight, like, and it's a guy that they covet, like sometimes it just seems to me like the trend is for Nichols to be the guy. Uh, so I really think they do want Tyrese Hunter. And, and I think he's a priority for the staff. It would appear that the next guy we'll talk about is, is I don't want to call anyone a backup plan. That's not fair to the kid. Uh, but another point guard that Florida is evaluating, uh, offered last month, uh, is Darius Johnson. He's really from Orlando, although he plays his high school ball in Virginia. Um, he plays for Chandler Parsons' team um, in Orlando on the AAU circuit. Uh, he, he is being heavily recruited by uh, Alabama and Georgetown as well. Um, and, you know, the offers are really pouring in for him this summer. He's really taking advantage of these virtual workouts. Uh, he has one really interesting offer uh, that we should circle, and that's UCF. And that's because uh, his father is on the staff there. Ah, that's a t- time-honored tradition in college basketball. Um, though I don't think they gave the uh, Cade Cunningham treatment just to get Darius Johnson, uh, with uh-uh. all due respect to him. But uh, yeah, he's, uh-uh. uh, yeah, I, 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 I know what you're saying. I mean, would Florida take him right now, like tomorrow? I don't think so. But someone down the line, I, I can certainly see why why they're interested. Again, a player, uh, you know, six foot, six foot one. He's a lot thicker though. He's not like like he's. I see. I've yeah, seen he's him bigger. 180 and just you know seeing what I've what I've seen on 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 film. He definitely just like he's he's built strong and he plays tough. And uh, I can really see why he, he's someone who I'm not sure where where I think he'll end up being being ranked. But when you see how strong he is at his size, uh, and just to see that uh to see that he has the skill set that's um that he he has that skill set that's uh uh maybe going to be a little bit undervalued by uh, some some recruiting services just because he isn't a big time score but he really defends and and i think moves the ball intelligently uh yeah he's someone who uh if he sticks around till late in the cycle and if florida does end up having uh having a lot of scholarships open i i would definitely see them still kind of remaining interested yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, uh, and I apologize for the uh, background noise there. All of a sudden, Eric, I, I'm going <laughs> to, to stop that for for all the listeners. Um, yeah, you know, I, you can see why Florida's interested, and again, it's a guy that that, you know, one one thing Florida seems to be doing is getting in early on on high risers too, guys that kind of come on late, late bloomers, um, and and Darius Johnson is certainly that, and and a guy whose stock has really soared. Uh, in the last nine to ten to ten months, the next uh, player that we wanted to talk about um, is Russell Diggins, another point guard. And this kind of Florida's like main focuses uh, this summer and since the July twelfth contact period began are are kind of tea leaves, I think, Eric, for what for what Eric, or sorry, they're tea leaves for what Eric suggested that that maybe you know a point guard. Uh, is a priority that maybe you know there's there's going to be some serious competition for, for Quest Glover's not necessarily just going to inherit the role from Tyree Appleby, um, and you know I Diggins is another one of these guys who he's a top 100 player um, and you know slightly kind of evaluated similar to Tyrese Hunter. Um, He's from Philadelphia and he's being recruited by Villanova and he plays at Archbishop Wood, which is like a Villanova factory. So take that for what you will. Um, but certainly similar in, in terms of, of build and scrappiness and small explosive guard, uh, you know, profile to what the rest of Florida's guard class looks like. Uh, yeah, I actually forgot when I said earlier that I thought Hunter was the highest rated of, of Florida's point guards that they were really in on. Uh, Diggins is, is higher. Uh, but that I, I think part of that was just a little bit of my surprise just because I, I, I probably think that I was probably a little bit more intrigued by by Hunter personally. I like Hunter better, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, but uh, I would say the uh, here's the difference between Hunter and Diggins. Um, Hunter is the better defender, and Diggins is the better scorer. So yep. uh, hey, who do you think gets ranked higher these days? Uh, it's yep. the scorer. So uh, uh, so nothing nothing against Diggins. I don't say that to be uh, because hey, Diggins is still a fantastic player, and and the fact that he uh, the fact that he does look so good uh, offensively is uh, something that's really intriguing. It's something I love too that you mentioned with the Vill- I, I, which I actually didn't even. I didn't even think of this. I, I didn't actually look to see what his other offers were, uh, but totally makes sense that he uh, is at a Villanova factory and the fact that he uh, is getting recruited by Villanova because something that Villanova preaches more than anyone else, though Mike White does it a ton as well, and something I see with Diggins is the ability to play off two feet. So uh, it, it was just really interesting to watch uh, to watch the clips that were available, to see him coming towards the driving the lane, getting the step on his defender, and then jumping off two feet in the paint so he could make a pass or he could finish strong or he could pull up for a jump shot and yeah it was just interesting because it's uh yeah playing off two feet is something that uh, yeah villanova is known for mike white really presses his guys to do something to, or to do those things and uh watching diggins it's like hey here's a guy who plays off two feet so uh, uh there's definitely some some correlation with what white sees that he likes and, and what villanova sees and what they like so uh, i i wasn't super I, I didn't think that diggins looked super um like Diggins, six foot one, hundred and sixty-five pounds. Uh, he probably didn't strike me as uh, being super quick. Just for someone who's uh, maybe of that size, maybe maybe you saw something different, Neil. Uh, not that he was slow, but again, he was someone who's a bit more methodical. Get in the paint, get off two feet, and make a play. And uh, yeah, so he's someone who I, uh, I like. I said I probably like. Uh, probably like him second best of, of the point guards Florida's after. After, but hey, he'd still be a, he'd still be a great get. Yeah. No, I think he. Uh... You know, he, he's, he's, uh, he's a really, you know, good player. There's a reason he's a top hundred guy. And, and yeah, I mean, he would be, he would be right there with, with Hunter for me, um, you know, and, and they, the Gators, there's no indication as to who the lead assistant is on that recruitment, but, but it would be interesting to, to know Florida has not been afraid of, of going to the Northeast, uh, to recruit as, as we know. So, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to back down just because he goes to a school that, that has fed uh, Jay Wright. Um, a place where Florida hasn't necessarily succeeded as much in the era of, of excelling FSU uh, is Broward County in Fort Lauderdale. And another in-state prospect we're going to talk about is a top 100 player in uh, Wesley Cardet, who is a guy that ESPN has like down near 250 but then if you look at just 24-7 and Rivals, they've got him as a top 50 player. So the way that ends up messing up his composite is it puts him right outside the uh, top 100. 24-7 has him as a combo guard. Uh, we played him um, last year. He's not a combo guard at all. He's a wing um, that, you know, because he's long and he moves really well laterally, he is very good at defending your best scoring guard. Um, and I think that's probably what intrigues Florida staff the most about him. He, um, Cardet plays for Northeast uh, in Fort Lauderdale. It's a big public school. Kind of surprised that, that he hasn't elected. He's had the opportunity. I can promise you that wink, wink uh, to play at other places. And he has, <laughs> He has stayed at uh, Northeast, so I guess he's he's comfortable uh, at the big public high school. Um, and he was uh, with Team Breakdown, one of the better Florida uh, youth teams, this weekend at the Power 24 tournament where Kawasi Reeves Jr. was. I hope the two of them met. He did not play particularly well uh, yesterday at that tournament. Um but he did play very well on day one, you know, on day one in two games, he was 11 of 21 from the field. Uh, and on day two, he was five of 20 in, in their one game. Um, so he, he really shot at a high volume and not an efficient volume. Um, but he did grab uh, seven steals for the tournament and picked up 17 rebounds using his size to, to really stay aggressive on the glass. Uh, which I, you know, Florida loves to to ask their wings to rebound, and if they're gonna go with smaller guards again, they're gonna need to do that uh, continually. Um, and I think his his ability to rebound has improved immensely, which is a positive sign 
uh, for his recruitment. So that's my, I've seen him live uh, scouting report on Wesley Carnett. Uh, other players in his recruitment, um, you know, Nate Oates has been recruiting him forever. Uh, saw Nate at, at uh, the game that they had uh, with our program. Um, and Jim Laranega, always, uh, always around Wesley. Um, so I think, you know, Miami, uh, Alabama, big time players. Uh, he's also a good friend of Dudley Blackwell, uh, who, uh, just signed with Iowa state and Iowa state has been, uh, recruiting him as well. So maybe he, he would join his buddy. Um, but it's a Jordan Mincy target and, uh, that's kind of where things are with Wes Carnett. Uh, I think when you mentioned where different recruiting services had him, you also kind of established our power ranking of recruiting services. <laughs> uh, I, I think we vary a little. I think you're you're a little bit higher on rivals. I, I think I'm a little higher on 24/7, but uh, ESPN is is not not a place that I find myself searching for recruiting information. I will I will say that much. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, def- it definitely rivals. Definitely 24/7 are the, are the best two. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, you're talking about the fact that uh, he's listed as a combo guard. Uh, if you see what he posts on social media at some of his interviews, he is like posts his highlights and he says like six foot six point guard eyes emoji uh stuff like that so i i think he might be pushing the narrative that he is a guard uh he's a big uh, guard yeah a bunch of a bunch of his own posts he's co- talked about how he plays point guard and, okay, and uh, right. i think he, i think the com i think the compromise of uh of like 24 7 is a uh, combo card uh of like hey we don't really think you're a point guard but you, <laughs> we won't we won't call you a wing just to kind of like throw you a bone uh, as much as I don't think he's a point guard for sure. And I don't even know if I would listen as a combo guard as in, I wouldn't, uh, I, I still think he does offer some, some ability to handle the ball and, and, and be, be a secondary or tertiary playmaker. And again, that's just something that, that I've really harped on about the Gators is that they just have not had enough secondary ball, ball handling or secondary playmaking on this roster. So, uh, I do think that, Hey, if he's your first or second best ball handler, uh, you don't love that. But if he's your third best ball handler and playmaker, then it's like, wow, there's a huge advantage there. So, uh, getting a guy like that, like, like, let's say, let's say Kwasi Reeves jr. Plays shooting guard, which I'm, which is something you and me haven't actually really talked about is what position we see Kwasi Reeves jr. Playing best at, but Right. Let's say let's say he's he plays shooting guard, and let's say if the Gators were to get Cardet, then he plays small forward, uh, and then let's say they have something approximating a, a, a true point guard. Uh, then suddenly you have let's say the point guard is presumably going to be a, a great ball handler distributor. Then you have huge plus playmaking and ball handling at the two guard with Reeves. And then you're also going to have a big plus of, of playmaking and ball handling with Cardet. So uh, I, I do think that if for the way basketball is played nowadays, you need multiple ball handlers, multiple, uh, multiple distributors guys who can pass the ball and, and keep things moving around the perimeter. So uh, it, yeah, that, that's probably a reason why I looked at the way he played. And I was like, yeah, I don't want him to be my combo guard, but man, I would love to have that playmaking from uh, my tertiary ball handler. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And, and you know what is interesting is that, you know, team breakdown has been pretty kind to Florida historically. Um, so, you know, and Kenny Boynton certainly still holds a lot of influence uh, around that group. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't rule out Florida, Florida doing something um, from the Fort Lauderdale area in 2021. I think Wes Cardet is probably a bigger priority than Jordan Shorter, his teammate. Um, although Jordan Shorter's always tweeting Florida stuff, uh, speaking of people who like, there was some tweet on Jordan Shorter's profile in May that was like some random article saying that Jordan Shorter had gained a lot of interest from Florida and man, did he retweet that quick, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, Shorter is a, is a six, five, 185, uh, pound, uh, guy who I think is a two guard who probably wouldn't care how you classify him if the Gators were to offer he has a very interesting offer from Oklahoma State, and uh, apparently, you know, he's a priority for Oklahoma State, which is uh, pretty interesting. Um, but you know, uh, definitely a guy who who can shoot the rock. Uh, shot fifty five percent this weekend at uh, the Power Twenty Four, um, including a forty five percent clip from downtown. So he he can he can fire it away. Um, and, and it's another guy that Florida has offered. 
that we didn't really have on our list, but I just thought I'd bring him up because he plays with uh, with Wesley Cardet. That really does kind of wrap up uh, the 2021 you know list of guys that Florida's that that I was able to find Florida having uh, some contact with in the July live contact period. I don't know if if uh, if Eric had anyone that that he wanted to add in 2021 or if we want to go to 2022. Uh, I don't have anything to add, so uh, let's uh, let's touch on on 2022 quick. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you, I know you wrote an article um, about some of the 2022 prospects. I, w- I would add that uh, Florida has has uh, offered a couple guys um, in the last month from 2022 that that didn't have Florida offers previously. One is Chase Cormier, who is a uh, four star guard um, from Atlanta. Uh, they offered him at the beginning of the July live contact period. I've been in touch with him. Uh, wasn't able to find a whole lot uh, on his game other than he has a, a really nice reputation as a shooter. Yeah, that seems to be the case. And uh, that's always interesting to see the way that uh, – to see, like, the offer list of those guys because, uh, yeah, you see that, like, Arkansas put out an offer. I, I haven't actually looked, but I'm going to assume Arkansas has offered, like, triple-digit players. Everybody. Just, just like the transfer market. And uh, – <laughs> They're like, oh, sorry, Chase Cormier. I thought you were on the transfer market and we gave you the offer. Sorry, we didn't. Do that. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, he's someone who uh, definitely has some shiftiness to his game. But uh, as as is definitely obviously difficult whenever you start getting into like two years out recruiting is uh, uh, you've just got to really squint to see how he looks on a, on, on a high major floor, just kind of physically. Uh, but again, I'm not saying like, well, he's not a high major player because uh, he's not already as a 2022 kid, uh, physically mature. Uh, but at the same time, it is, it can be a little bit difficult to look at some of the guys that are really thin and, and can shoot the ball and say like, Hey, well, what is this guy gonna, gonna really look like in a, in a year and a half? And, uh, uh, so, so yeah, the way he shot the ball, the way he showed some, some real shiftiness with the basketball in his hands, uh, uh definitely some intrigue, but, uh, uh, yeah, he, he's someone who I'm kind of a little bit apathetic to until, uh, until we see more, but there's definitely some people who, uh, you know, have seen him a lot more than me, uh, who like him. Another guy that I think is really interesting to talk about is uh five-star guard Keontae George out of, uh, Louisville, Texas. Um, I think he might be a 24-7 composite four-star, but I know he's a five-star on Rivals. Um, and I'm not plugging Rivals. I'm just, I, I, I wrote down five-star, and I might not have checked to see if he was 24-7 composite five. In, in any event, um, he is a guy that Florida offered when he was in ninth grade. Um, beginning of ninth grade, obviously now he's just finished 10th grade. Um, Florida was his second uh power five offer uh iowa state offered first and uh texas tech offered recently um and immediately kind of became the favorite um you know given that he's he's from lewisville uh he's a player i love i think is going to be a mcdonald's all-american uh can really score gets after it on defense immense athleticism can really shoot it uh you know just a kind of a complete package player and and um, I think the Gators are, are going to fight like heck to get him on campus at least. Uh, yeah, he's someone who, uh, like I mentioned, not all 2022 kids. Uh, you can really look at them and say like, hey, he looks like he'd be comfortable on a high major floor right now. But uh, both Keontae George, you do. You can look at him and he uh, he's already looking a lot. Uh, he's looking physically developed skill wise. He looks polished. Uh, there's just, yeah, no question. He's a he's a five star. Uh, yeah, 24-7, I think is the they had him 16th. Uh, and I looked to go see what ESPN had just out of curiosity. They had him 13th, so they weren't like super out of uh uh, they weren't an outlier here, but uh, yeah, definitely all the recruiting services love him. And uh, what I'm really interested in is just like when you saw that Florida hired Al Pinkins, he was a guy with big Florida connect or sorry, big Texas connections. Yeah, uh, Florida got a lot of Texas offers out. I uh, has nothing has come from it yet, uh, really. And uh, I, I'm not saying that's the fault of, of Al Pinkins or anything like that, but I just uh, it's it's clear that it looked like Florida was trying to make the area uh, a bit of a priority for recruiting understandably so when you see the town that comes out of there so so i'm just looking to see like hey can this be uh one of the one of the florida players that, that florida can can really have a great chance in 
or a Texas player, the Florida that really has a chance in just because, yeah, they not only have they not landed someone from Texas, but I think that they didn't really get super deep in the recruitment of any of the uh, of any of the Texas targets. So, uh, well, yeah, well, this would be different. That'll be interesting to see because, uh, uh, I, yeah, this is uh, uh, this is definitely the highest rated player on their board, and uh, they don't go star hunting a ton, so uh, they obviously think they they have an opportunity here. Yeah, no, I think that's an important point, and and obviously how early they were in on the recruitment uh, is kind of a testament to the fact that you know they were they they were going to be in this as long as they can. So I I think that will continue, and obviously twenty twenty two is a long time away, but. But uh, he, he's going to be a priority. Another guy I think is going to be a priority is, is Jordan Surratt. Uh, he's from Dorman, um, which is the high school P.J. Hall went to. I, you know, you can't, Eric and I don't like to speculate much on the show, but you've got to wonder if Florida watched P.J. Hall and just decided that they really like Jordan Surratt. <laughs> um, you know, uh, talk a little bit about his game. I know he's a guy you mentioned in, in the piece you wrote. Yeah, he's physical. He plays tough. I uh, uh, especially at, for a 2022 kid, he's definitely one of the bigger players out there, uh, and he makes it known. He uh, and he plays just super hard, super high motor, uh, and he's someone who they. I, I could see them maybe looking at him as as a power forward, uh, probably with the way that they have they've used the four spot recently, and uh, that isn't really the case with. Uh, you, again, like there are some of the wings that you like maybe saw them playing. Like I said, the Devin Robinson role, but I think uh, maybe more prototypical. Typically, Jordan Surratt uh, fits that mold, and uh, yeah, just someone who uh, uh, definitely stuck out even before Florida offer. Just when I was like looking for Dorman basketball content uh, uh, a year ago, and uh, uh, when I was, uh, you know, obviously still uh, still very heavy into PJ Hall, of which I'm going to remain. Uh, he's one of those players that I don't think uh, until his college until his college uh, career is done. I don't think I'm going to like totally uh, just like with Colin Castleton, how I was like wasn't ready after Florida wasn't able to get him out of high school to like really like I was like, you know what? There's a part of me that still thinks uh, Florida's not done with him, and obviously they weren't. That's going to be my PJ Hall next. But uh, uh, yeah, Jordan Surratt definitely stuck out uh, as just someone like if you just again if you just look at him, uh, he just looked like you wouldn't think he was a 2022. You'd think he was like a sophomore in college already, like just a, a big dude, muscular, uh, nice looking three point stroke, and uh, he's also someone who I think uh, he when you just see his size and his ability to hit threes, uh, I think he's going to end up being uh, uh, being a very nicely ranked player. Yeah, no, I think he, uh, I think he will too. And then the last player is um, Ben Middlebrooks from Fort Lauderdale, another guy that that is in the Broward County uh, area, uh, four-star player. Um, Auburn has offered, uh, LSU has made a strong-ass offer. Uh, Florida offered well before both of them, so Florida was in early, offered him in ninth grade. Uh, you know, Ben is a really smart kid. He shoots just enough, just well enough from the outside to kind of keep a defense honest. Um, you know, he's not, he's not Matt Bonner or, or Mike Dunleavy out there, but, but it's enough. I think um, he, he plays really, really hard uh, and he has a nice handle. Um, so, you know, that kind of also keeps defenses honest because, you know, he's good enough off the bounce to kind of get to the basket uh, or at least put it on the floor when he posts. Um, I, you know, the best thing about him is his hands, both on offense and on defense. Uh, you know, we used to, to love to, to put him on small, smaller players. And because he was a good enough athlete to move laterally with them, but also, you know, he was long enough to really bother them, whether it was disrupt passing lanes or, you know, to come, to come in and swat from behind that kind of stuff. So I think, just a very useful player uh, with his hands and then soft touch. He can post uh, kind of plays bigger than he is when, when he is faced with bigger matchups. He's a guy who, who played really, really well for us against Montverde, uh, scored 20 points. Uh, I'm really proud of him. And I think he's going to be a very good player. Yeah. I was waiting for you to just mention that you coached him. Of course, <laughs> that was an important note because, uh, and also I, I intentionally uh, looked at him no more than uh uh, just knowing that uh, I wanted you to handle that one, but I did. I, I remember you saying uh, maybe a year or two ago when you uh, you mentioned that you had this uh, this really good player, Ben Middlebrooks, and I was like, oh, I got to try to try to see what I can find. So uh, it, yeah, it'll be interesting too, because again, just because Florida hasn't like 
really pursued a lot of those a lot of those players and 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 again just like looking at the way that Florida's front court has gone especially when it comes to like they've they've been playing you know six foot four rice transfers or six or five Keontae Johnson at at the power forward spot and I know Chase Johnson they almost had someone who sounds a little bit like what you might might have described as someone who can shoot a little bit uh, but has really good hands and 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 feel uh, they almost had had someone like that obviously in Chase Johnson so uh, yeah I, I would be definitely interested in a player like that that with a little more positional size that can kind of come into that position and uh, and bring something they haven't had recently. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, a guy that, that he kind of reminds me of a little bit is Austin Katstra, who plays at uh, Virginia. I think he probably reminds Tony Bennett of him a little bit too. Uh, Virginia was another team that offered last month. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be interested. I Obviously, I won't be there, but um, I'll be interested to see how his last two seasons play out at, at, at Westminster Academy, and I think he's uh, – uh, he, I think he's a special kid. Um, you know, he's real hungry to get better and certainly going to be, you know, he will graduate from there. Unlike Dudley Blackwell. So he'll be really the highest level player to come out of there in a while. And, and um, you know, it'll be interesting. Florida has been on him for a while. And I just think it's important from an overall perspective, forget Middlebrooks. I think we talked about Middlebrooks. We talked about Carnet. You know, I do think it's important for Florida to reestablish the ability to to get the the best players from South Florida because it's 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 definitely a hotbed, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like something you, you mentioned, Jim Laranaga earlier in the conversation, and I thought it was just kind of like it's funny because I mean, relative to the, how Miami has performed, I, I think they have out recruited. They like Miami has out recruited their actual performance, I, I would say, but are still pulling in good players. And uh, I think maybe part of that is because uh, even though Florida should maybe be nabbing some of those guys from South Florida, it's just like Miami's still able to keep them home. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting though, because like I said earlier, I, I don't I think that maybe it's a little bit overblown by some people who just get mad anytime like an in-state kid, like they like Florida should just be landing like two hundred uh, in-state kids because uh, anytime Florida misses on one, people right. some, some people point out that uh, that they should have got him because he's in state. So Florida should be bringing in you know one hundred and ninety-seven. Uh, 2021 kids but uh but yeah at, at, at some point yeah it's certainly uh having uh having an area like that locked down just because like hey regardless of the fact that you are you are the state school you're florida uh you're the flagship uh i think that south florida just happens to produce some of the best basketball players in the world and it's uh uh hey it's like if you keep not if you go a long time before nabbing one, when the when the one comes by that you really really want, uh, you might get hurt by the fact that you haven't recruited that area super hard. So, uh, so yeah, even if uh, landing some of these guys that are uh, whatever in the four stars that are you know lower but top one hundred, uh, something like that, uh, that might lay the groundwork for when they do have the top ten player that you that you desperately want. Yeah. No. And and look, I mean, for me. You know, yeah, I think it's important to point out it's not about losing. You're going to lose some of these players. You only have so many spots, and and you know, <laughs> there's also like, what do you prioritize? Uh, questions. So, but for me, I think when you if you recruit a guy like Middlebrooks from ninth grade, if you recruit a guy like Wesley Cardet from tenth grade, if you recruit a guy like Scotty Barnes from ninth grade, like eventually you want to land one of those guys. So I thought. You know, we talked last show about how like losing Scotty Barnes did hurt because, you know, I think Florida backed off well before he committed to Florida State. Um, but, you know, the reason they backed off, at least as far as I know, was that he just kind of lost interest in, in going to Florida. Um, you know, you don't want to what you don't want to have happen, I guess, the way I want to put it is you don't want a kid like Wesley Cardet to go to Alabama and then beat you for four years. Right. <laughs> Uh, you know, you don't want to lose a battle like that and then get knocked out of the SEC tournament because, like, Ben Middlebrooks goes for 20 and 10 on you, right? Like, that's what you want to avoid. So I think I think those are better ways of framing those recruiting battles. And, like, Florida, when they recruit a kid hard for four years that, that's from in-state and they're one of the best programs recruiting him, you'd hope you land your fair share. Yeah, no, it's a great point, and uh, yeah, the Scotty Barnes when you brought up—that's uh, that is one that's uh, that's going to sting. I feel when we uh, 
continue to play Florida State. And uh, something I thought was interesting, uh, it's a little bit of a side note, uh, Jeff Goodman uh, Stadium, he, he's been putting out articles where it's like he's been looking at the best assistant coaches from each conference, uh, which I think is super cool because uh, I just think like assistant coaches are like so underappreciated in basketball. Yeah. And just, they, they play such a huge role. And I, I just think that like, if fans had a better understanding of like what went on in college basketball in terms of like how much of their recruiting is done by assistants and how much of the game planning and scheming, um, they would just care so much more about assistants and they just don't get the, the shine that they deserve. Uh, so anyways, they've been doing them like alphabetically. So the sec is a, a ways away from happening, but we will see some, uh, uh, one or multiple of, uh, Florida's assistants on that list. But anyways, he did the ACC, obviously, uh, uh, you know, I would st- the best basketball conference in in the country, I'd say, uh, perennially. And uh, two of their top three assistants were were Florida State assistants. So uh, it, it just kind of shows what Florida is going up against when uh, you've got an in-state school who has two of the top three ACC assistants, uh, and you're recruiting against those guys. Like uh, that's uh, that's tough, and that's what you're dealing with for some of these in-state kids. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough deal. And and the way that things have gone for uh, the way that things have gone for, for Mike White and his staff against Leonard Hamilton uh, certainly hasn't helped matters, but that's uh, for another show. Hope you guys enjoyed an hour of recruiting. Uh, you know, Eric and I uh, will be candid with you. Not our favorite show to do, um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh you know obviously it's still the lifeblood of any program and and you got to talk about it hey it's uh it's it's definitely a lot of work there's no question (laughs) uh there's some stuff like uh basketball wise that uh that i may be a little bit more passionate about and i uh i i probably get uh a little bit more excited like looking back on florida's princeton offense than i do searching for tape of, of, of 2021, 2022 kids. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's so important. And I, I feel like w- kind of just like what I alluded to, like, this is the stuff that, uh, uh, like you, we think about the battles that take place on the court, uh, during the season. And, and as I just mentioned that the assistant coaches are putting in so much work, uh, thinking about the battles they're going through on the recruiting trail that are, like, I, it's just so interesting to think about like, uh, like Jordan Mincy, Darius Nichols out right now. And they're, what they're doing right now is affecting games that happen in like 2026. Like their, their work right now, we're going to see the fruits or the lack of fruits of it in like five or six years. And that's kind of like a crazy concept, but that's really what's, what's going on. So, uh, yeah, recruiting is, uh, recruiting is just a lot of work, quite frankly, to make sure that we can kind of like get a feel for these players. So, uh, that's probably why we don't do these shows, uh, all the time. Uh, but Hey, we're just, uh, I, like, I'm just so stoked that you guys want to listen to uh, to Gators basketball talk and are uh, I'm just honored to be able to be uh, one of the, one of the two people on the podcast you go to, to listen to. So, uh, so thank yeah. you so much for listening. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks everybody. You know, we, we do actually like, we like to do the work on this show. It just, it's a lot to, to constantly cover the madness, but I do think doing one of these in July is super important because the live contact period is, is a really important part of the recruiting cycle. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we will be back with a, another show next week. We promise it will be uh, very depressing. Bye-bye. <laughs>